self-love, it exists within us always. It's not like the stock market where it goes up and down. It is always there, but it is our wounding patterns. It is our projections. It is the way that we experience the world. We perceive the world, things that have been projected upon us that make us believe that self-love isn't there or self-worth or self-esteem. But you, as your birthright inherent within you, that is within you. And therefore you can always tap into that and you can always cultivate a relationship to that. I'm Doug Bobst, personal trainer, best-selling author, and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage Podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please, sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobes, and today on the show, we are talking about how to love the person that you see in the mirror, how you can truly and unapologetically see yourself when you get up in the morning and before you go to bed and love yourself from the inside and out so that you can be a beacon of light, not only to yourself, but for the world around you. And to do so, I wanted to bring on my friend, Sarah Ann Stewart, to the show. And Sarah is a certified holistic health practitioner. She runs a leading mindfulness-based private coaching practice in LA. Sarah's unique heart-centered approach has helped hundreds of women across the globe make sustainable lifestyle changes and heal their relationship with food and their bodies. Sarah is the founder of the Awesome Inside Out Movement, an advisor to international wellness brands, and soon to be a Hay House author. So the Adversity Advantage podcast welcomes Sarah Ann Stewart to the show. Sarah, thank you so much for hopping on. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. I know this is long time coming. We've been <laughs> attempting to schedule this for many months now, so I'm excited that we're diving into this and going to dive deep. Yeah, and you know, we were talking before about, you know, how sometimes like life I think throws you curveballs and unexpected changes and and sometimes, you know, it leads to something bigger that becomes our purpose and I know for you it definitely did that in I think any any you know young girl's dream would be to be a model and to be somebody who is idolized for their body and and looking in the mirror and be like you know what like I can't wait for this new magazine shoot to come out I can't wait for this new photo of me to be taken but I know for you it took you down this super dark twisted path and it ended up you were laying in a correct me if I'm wrong in the in a hospital bed in the emergency room, nearly died, right? And mm-hmm. so the doctors were like, you either make a change now or, you know, we, we can't see you living much longer. Talk about like what got you there and then how you found your way out to the point where you turn this into a passion of yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you so much. I today I'm really passionate about sharing my story, although for many, many years I hid behind it, which I think so many people probably listening can resonate with. And so for me, I grew up in a really holistic environment, one so where I was meditating and doing yoga and learning about wheatgrass and going on vegan diets as a kid. And even so much so that I was listening to Deepak Chopra tapes in the car with my dad and learning about spirituality and past lives. So to think that I would ever you know, many years later, end up in a hospital bed was was very crazy to me that when I got to that place, I remember looking back on my childhood with so much guilt and shame. But to retract a little bit, I was scouted to model when I was 15 years old. 
And at the same time, which was really interesting, my dad was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And so I was in this weird predicament where I was going to castings and I started to develop a really bizarre relationship with my body. Um, so much so where my agents were saying, don't eat until next week. You can't play sports anymore. You really need to lose weight. You have this amazing career ahead of you, but it's going to require you to change your relationship with your body, meaning you really have to think about slendering down and doing Pilates and yoga instead of sports, which I really loved. Um, and so on the, and then on the flip side, my dad was going through this <laughs> crazy experience of facing the end of his life and telling the doctors that he was not going to go the Western route and he was only going to use food to heal his body. And at that point, I was very angry with him because I said, dad, you know, the doctors are telling you that you're going to lose your life if you don't at least try these other things and, and potentially just extend your life. Like this, this is your only hope. And he said, Sarah, you have to trust me. And he would meditate every day and he was doing yoga and he was look like visualizing and, and basically putting affirmations all over our home. And then he went completely vegan. And within seven months, the cancer was completely gone. But at that point in my career, I was already off to the races with modeling and I was sucked in so quickly. And I remember thinking, wow, I have this really good head on my shoulders. I grew up in this really great environment. And on top of that, I just watched my dad cure cancer with food. I'm going to be okay. And that was my story. And I thought that this was my ticket out. I grew up in a really small town and I kept thinking to myself, I have this opportunity once in my lifetime to do something big and to have this glamorous life and to see the world. And I'm not going to turn it down because I have to lose some weight. Well, interestingly, my subconscious started to really, really be impacted by the culture of the fashion industry and the culture that I was surrounded in and the people that I was surrounded in. And the deeper I went, the deeper I became disconnected from my truth and myself. And the crazy part is, is that once I ended up in a hospital bed, and that wasn't the first time I was in the hospital, I was in the hospital for multiple eating disorders, laxative abuse. And then on top of that, I ended up getting breast implant illness or breast implants because I wanted to extend my career. And so this, this trip to the hospital wasn't abnormal for me, but there was a point where I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I'm absolutely going to lose my life. Like I have to create a career change. And so all I knew was nutrition at that point. All I knew was that my dad had cured cancer with food. And so I thought, well, I can go and study nutrition and maybe I can heal myself. The interesting part of this, which I think, again, a lot of people can resonate with is the more nutrition information I got, the worse my anxiety and depression got because I was trusting everyone outside myself. I was looking at all the experts and the different coaches and the different diets and the different protocols without trusting myself. And it wasn't until I came across a meditation teacher who his very first question was to me was, are you willing to unlearn the way that you were taught to suffer? Are you ready to hear this truth? And I said, yes, I'm willing to do anything. And he took me on this journey of really peeling back the layers of cultural conditioning in which I had placed on myself, allowing me to finally witness my truth and begin to heal. And I am endlessly grateful for him because he was the first person to really bring me back to the roots of my childhood without any guilt or shame or any projection that I had done anything wrong. It was just like, this is the point. This is the time that you have to go within. You have to take radical responsibility. You no longer can outrun your mind. And that was the biggest lesson for me because for years I was just outrunning my mind for something external for validation by agents and by people who, who weren't part of, of really my future. They weren't part of the impact and, and the love and 
the light that I wanted to experience on this planet. And so it was definitely, definitely a journey. And then flash forward, as I mentioned quickly, I got breast implant illness, which we can dive into later, but that was a whole nother awakening of, of body love and self-acceptance and really cultivating my own truth, which was that I didn't need my implants to be loved or liked or approved of. And, and it's been a really beautiful journey of sharing that with the world and getting such incredible, profound feedback. Yeah. And everything you said, it's, it's quite inspiring, right? Because, you know, you, you have all these things happen at once. You start off this modeling career and then your dad has terminal cancer and you end up obviously through something that would, could have was the, almost the demise of you helped save him from his demise. Right. Mm, Isn't it kind mm-hmm. of crazy how that happened. And, you know, the one, there's a few interesting points, obviously that you made that I resonate with a lot. And that is number one, if you're not fulfilled internally, nothing externally matters because it's going to be that never ending cup. You're going to have to keep filling and keep filling and keep filling. It's like an addiction, right? I don't, I mean, I I don't think addiction is just, is just held to drugs and alcohol. I think it's, you continue to chase a high of wanting to feel loved by things on the outside. And we see that a lot today. You look at Instagram, like people are always looking for more likes, more comments, more shares, and they're willing to put a provocative picture on Instagram to get twice as many likes than a heartfelt post that maybe highlights something they're not proud of, but might inspire somebody else to change. So, and then you, you went in a lot to like doing the inner work and going back to your childhood and how important that is. And I know for me now, I don't think the work ever stops. I think there's always going to be times in our life where we hit a point where there's a struggle and we look back and like, okay, where's this come from? Well, it's typically a wound from our childhood. And the more we kind of push that to the side, the, the, the further we go away from really becoming who we truly are. So before we get into like the breast implant mm-hmm. uh, journey you're on, because obviously I want to talk about that. That's important. Talk about like some of the tips and tactics that people can use to kind of rediscover themselves internally from, I mean, either mm-hmm. from a, an adolescent stage or, or maybe just a, as a way to like build a solid foundation so they don't have to chase after likes and comments and external validation. Yeah, I love this question. Thank you for asking it. And just going back to what you said about it comes most often from our childhood wounding. So I recognize that I chose a career many years later, so a fashion career based on childhood wounding. And people always ask, well, it sounded like you had a really great child. Well, I actually had a very tough relationship with my mother, one where it was very much rooted in perfectionism and her wanting to live her life through me and really wanting me to have all these opportunities that I, that she never got to have. And because of that, I was always seeking for the love from her that I felt like I never got. And it wasn't until many years of doing this inner work, like you said, like it takes so many years to dive up or to dig up and like unpeel the layers, right? It's like the onion pulling back one layer at a time at a time for me to say, wow, I can't blame my agents. I can't blame the modeling industry. I can't blame fashion. Yes, there's a place to 
upgrade that system. And yes, we should talk about how it creates insecurity for women. But for me personally, I have to take responsibility for this. This is a direct relationship to my mother that needs to be healed. Otherwise, it's not going to just be in the fashion industry that I seek out this external validation. It will be in my relationship. It will be with my friends and the masterminds I'm in and my business. And this will continue the rest of my life until I heal this wound. And so it's been a process. And I just want to reference that because so many people go into career hoping that with the accolades, they're going to get that hit. But then when they get the dopamine hit, it goes away. And what's not left is us cultivating the internal self-love, self-worth, self-esteem that is so important in order to, to fulfill that, or basically what we're trying to do is fill the void, but to fulfill it within ourselves and just to believe that it always exists. And so something I teach is that the self-love it exists within us always. It's not like the stock market where it goes up and down. It is always there, but it is our wounding patterns. It is our projections. It is the way that we experience the world. We've perceived the world, things that have been projected upon us that make us believe that self-love isn't there or self-worth or self-esteem. But you, as your birthright inherent within you, that is within you. And therefore you can always tap into that and you can always cultivate a relationship to that. And so that was something that was huge for me, just recognizing that I don't have to seek it outside of myself. It already exists within. And so the work that I have really done specifically with my clients and the way that my coaching has really shifted was originally I was talking a lot about prevention and helping women recognize that they could prevent chronic sickness down the road. And I was really talking a lot about my dad's story. And then when I met my husband, who's a copywriter, he was like, you are doing a disservice to the world if you do not start sharing about your eating disorder and how you've overcome this. But what was really interesting was that when I started applying a lot of the principles and, and meditation techniques and mindfulness practices that I used in my own healing, so many women were no longer bouncing from coach to coach to coach, program to program to program, diet to diet to diet, because they were actually doing the inner work and beginning to heal within. And that starts with just quieting the mind. My coach has taught me that there's three parts of the mind, the identity and the memory in which we basically witness everything from our past, the identity of what we believe ourselves to be from an external position, and then the intellect, which is everything that we have studied throughout our entire life, right? We go to more courses, we go to more programs. But the interesting thing is often the answer to the solution exists between thought. It exists outside of the mind. It exists within our heart. It exists by connecting to higher consciousness, higher awareness. And that is often where the answer of what we should be doing, how we should be doing it, how we should be taking care of ourselves lives. And only through the disconnection from the identity, the memory, and the intellect are we able to truly cultivate our own answers. And that has been my greatest lesson and something that I have really been working with so many women around the world at, at supporting them with. Yeah, I think it's so important, like you said, to have like a plan, have these tools to reconnect with yourself at like a soul level to be able to then really lean on that to continue to grow and do the inner work you know, whether it is meditations or mantras or just ways to stay grounded, because no matter what, you're always going to think that you have it all together externally. And if you don't have it aligned internally, things will start to fall apart. I know I, I, I relate to you a lot 
in, in a lot of ways. And one of the ways was my addiction was, I was drugs. I mean, I had a three, 400 milligram a day Oxycontin habit in my late teens, early twenties was snorting an eight, an eight ball of Coke. Like it was bad. And I, I was, in, and I got incarcerated on felony drug charges. And that's where my transformation started was when I was working out in jail. And when I got out, I became a trainer and I thought my life was perfect. You know, I was fit. I was ripped. I had the body. I thought that, you know, women would want a guy to have, I wanted to have, I had like the eight pack. I had the big arms. I was making great money as a trainer. I was, you know, clean from drugs, but inside I was still so broken because Mm. I hadn't really done like the inner work on myself or like maybe my childhood stuff, the mistakes I made as a kid or, you know, selling drugs and the lies and manipulating people when I was trying to get drugs that it eventually broke me. And it forced me to get connected spiritually because I hit a point where I was so unsure of who I was. I was like, why do I not have confidence in myself? Here I am like making great money. I'm good looking. Like, oh, but why do I have, not have confidence to pursue anything on my own. It was because I didn't, I was so disconnected, you know, from the inside out. And I think the work you're doing with, obviously with women is very inspiring because it's so needed. And especially now with the the rise of body dysmorphia, body image, people think an Instagram model, it could be Photoshopped. It couldn't even be them, but that's the way like pursue happiness. So talk about like, like what are some of the struggles you're seeing right now with like modern day women that you're coaching and how you're kind of helping them navigate through that? Yeah. Similarly, where women will come to me and say, I want to look like this. And they show me a picture and I have to always be very honest that that then I'm not the the coach for you. But if you want to actually cultivate self-love, self-worth, self-confidence, that's sustainable Mm. for the rest of your life, then I'm the coach to work with. And there's a huge difference. I think so often we create these vision boards, right? Similar to your story where we put the car and the white picket fence and the relationship and all the things, right? But never do we mention how we want to feel. And so we chase all these things, but yet there's no, there's no connection to, oh, I want to be happier. Oh, I want to feel love and joyful and experience play and creativity and inspiration. And so I think we can really reverse engineer this process where when we start to focus on the emotions first, we can actually manifest those things that we want much more quickly. And we already have instilled the emotions so that if the things that we manifested go away, we still have that internal experience. And again, it's really about just coming back to over and over and over, where did these beliefs come from? Where did they stem from? Who told you the story that you're not worthy unless you have X, unless you look like Y, unless you have whatever it is that you're seeing on Instagram? And and Instagram has become very, very problematic in the sense where wherever we see language, for example, if we see someone say, I would settle if I could just lose 10 pounds. I would settle if my jeans fit. I would settle if I could fit into my wedding dress. We're taking on that belief of settling. And this is what I hear from women a lot is like, there's this complacency model that's happening specifically in the body positive movement. And I'm all for body positive. Um, I think it's so important that that movement is growing, but specifically around complacency, there's this belief that if you love yourself, well, then I can just do whatever I want. I can go and (laughs) drink the diet soda and eat pizza every night and sit on my couch and watch Netflix. And again, that's not focusing on the feeling. How do you want to feel? And so 
self-love is not staying complacent. It's about recognizing where you are, loving yourself exactly where you are, cultivating self-love now, and breaking the patterns down and the belief systems and the wounding patterns so that you can grow, so that you can become a stronger human, so that you can become healthier, so that you can become more confident, so that you can step out and have the business and life that you love. And so right now, more than ever, I'm seeing that that belief is, is keeping so many women stuck. And also this cancel culture is, is really something that I've been diving into and seems a little bit problematic in the sense where I think it's important to take responsibility and, and ask for forgiveness where we've made mistakes. But research is showing now that women are not wanting to step into CEO roles. Women are not wanting to show up for their job interviews. 12% of women don't show up because of the lack of body confidence. And so that's something I'm very passionate about. It's about empowering women from an internal place so that when they get that job offer, when they have that interview, when they meet their partner, or when challenges arise, they can still cultivate within themselves the ability to foster the self-love, self-worth, self-confidence, self-esteem that they have inherently within them. And that happens through mindfulness. It happens through quieting and, and quiet and solitude and connecting within which nobody likes doing, right? It's the hard, that's the hard work. I mean, I want to say nobody, mm-hmm. but when I say like the majority of people, I would say that's like the last thing a lot of people want to do when they're coming to you and saying, Hey, I don't feel secure with myself. Mm-hmm. I want to look a certain way. What pill can I take? What diet can I take? Yeah. And you're like, well, how about you look in the mirror and we look <laughs> deep work within, yeah. be quiet with who you are. And kind of starve the beast a little bit, if you will. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. That, that's like, and then like, I remember you saying earlier when, earlier in the interview that it gave you anxiety thinking about the next diet, right? And now we're mm-hmm. in information overload with diets. You got vegan, you got paleo, you got this, you got that, you got this, you got that. And the whole notion of intuitive eating is something that's kind of lost because I think it all goes back to trusting your intuition with everything in life and being able to say, I feel best when I'm eating mm-hmm. these foods. Mm-hmm. So talk a bit about like what you're doing with helping people eat in a more sustainable way. I mean, that comes out of, I mean, I know mm-hmm. you obviously have a huge background in nutrition, so you know what you're talking about, but I think the way you help coach women with, with their nutrition habits is something mm-hmm. that a lot of people can take away from, from this interview. Like, talk a bit about that. Yeah. And just to quickly go back to the, the point you made that no one wants to sit in stillness. It's absolutely true in the sense where if you're afraid of your own thoughts, if you're afraid of what's underneath the hood of the car, you are not going to want to sit with your own thoughts. You're not going to want to dig up and pull up what's under there. You're not going to want to journal. You're not going to want to do these mindfulness practices because in that is the wounds, is that, in that is the pain, in that is the struggle, it's, it's the past. And we often want to avoid and suppress the past. And we do that with food. And we do that with drugs and we do that with alcohol. And, and that's why addiction is on the rise is because we haven't learned how to be with ourselves. We haven't learned how to manage emotion and we haven't learned that there's nothing wrong with us if we are sad or frustrated or angry or anxious or fearful. It's just an emotion that passes and yet we don't cultivate that understanding growing up and in school. So so often when we're kids, we're just told, oh, get up, don't cry, don't feel anything, keep going. And there's a superwoman complex right now where it's like, you have to be independent and push through. And I think that that's great. 
Although when we're telling women that they have to be fearless, we're also neglecting them from the emotions in which will heal their Mm -hmm. experiences from the past, which will make them even stronger leaders, stronger CEOs, more empowered on their jobs, more empowered in their relationships. And so I think that that's just a really important piece to point out is that we have to be willing to take radical responsibility for our subconscious and the programming that has been projected on us, even if it's not ours to take on, even if someone didn't mean to to project a certain story onto us. Our parents never meant to do these things at the deepest core of who they are. They didn't mean to um, to make us feel anything less than love, but they did it based on their wounding patterns and we have to be willing to look within. And so one of the exercises I really love to do, similar to what we were talking about before, because I know you asked about specific things, is making a list of all of the desires that you have right now. And so, so often someone will make a list of, I want to be happy. I want to be confident. I want to feel amazing in my body. I want to have the partner of my life, the career of my life. And then I, and then I show them and I have them circle how they could have all of those things now in the body that they're in. And so they don't need to change anything about their body to accomplish the very things because a feeling can be cultivated now, right? And from that feeling, we can accomplish the career and the, and the relationship and all the things that we deeply desire. Granted, creating a healthier person takes patience and takes working out and takes eating cleaner. But so often we think that the things we want to feel come after the food and the movement. And I always tell them, no, they can come right now in this moment if you choose them. And so that's part of the process is just having them look at their life. And then also recognizing that every area of your life impacts your relationship with your body, whether you know it or not. And so really we go through, during my programs, we go through each area of their life, whether that's their relationships, their family dynamics, their career. And I help them see on a subconscious level how their environments are directly impacting how they feel about themselves and their relationship to food and their bodies where they're actually making food choices based on what relationship they're in and career they're in. And that's a hard one. Again, this work is not easy. It's hard to have to sit down and really start to confront, oh, wow, the statements my partner partner is saying to me is not lighting me up and lifting me up and empowering. It's actually degrading and bringing me down. And what, what am I going to choose to do about this relationship to shift that? because I now feel empowered in my body. And so this topic is triggering and it's messy and it's hard, but it's very different than just making a choice to say, well, I'm going to eat clean today and I'm going to work out. Because some of the people who eat the cleanest and work out every single day, again, aren't happy in their relationships, aren't happy in their careers, don't feel fulfilled. They don't have a purpose. They're not making impact. And yet they're wondering why everything, quote unquote, they're doing right from a diet a nutrition protocol perspective is is correct. They're wondering <laughs> what else is wrong with my life. Why don't I feel good? Why don't I have energy? Why don't I have vitality? Well, that comes from looking at every specific area. Yeah, it's definitely an inside job, right? And I think if you know you're not comfortable looking within, like good, like that means like you have some work to do. And, and it, as much as you're the problem, you're also the solution, right? I think so many times we, we forget that everything in, on the outside of our life is a direct reflect, reflection of where we are internally. Mm-hmm. 
And if we want to have a better relationship, we better have a better relationship with ourselves. If mm-hmm. we want to have a better relationship with food, then we better have a better relationship with ourselves. We want to have a better, you know, relationship with our career, we better have a better relationship with ourselves. So I think that the interesting thing about what you've done is you've taken a lot of your trauma, a lot of your struggles, a lot of your setbacks in your own journey that you're continuing to work on now, from what I understand, and you're mm-hmm. helping people you know, learn the lessons that you have learned to also not continue to make the same mistakes you may have made when you were younger. And one of those is the breast implants. And I think, you know, I don't know if it's a mistake, but it's definitely something that has caused some sort of illness and setback, Mm -hmm. but you're now talking about it in a way to empower yourself, to empower others. And I think that's a big thing, right? Like getting implants is, is like a big thing for a female like a lot of a lot of people turn to that for you know the, the, to improve their body image to improve the way that men view them to to improve the way society views them so talk a bit about like why what inspired you to go through this entire process and what you're learning about it mm. yeah it's such an important topic specifically right now because more and more women are finding out that they're sick because of their implants mm. and so i made a choice to get my implants in when I was um, in my early 20s, I basically was at the end of my modeling career. And I knew if I got implants, I could extend my career for a few more years. And it was very unconscious. I called my dad in shame. I sold my car. I had him wired me the money. And within a couple of weeks, I had implants in. And I didn't think about it. I didn't think about the consequences of it. I didn't think about, again, in my life, how I was suppressing pain and pushing it down and pushing it down and pushing it down and just delaying the inevitable bleed of someday I'm going to have to confront myself. And we do this with everything. We just push and push and push against our minds until we get to a place where we're burned out, we're broken down, where people call the hero's journey, where we, we get to a place of complete burnout. And then it's important to just recognize that you don't have to be get to that place if you become conscious, if you again start tapping into your intuition and your your place within yourself that knows the very truth about how you should be living. And so with no judgment, if you have implants or getting implants, my voice and what I want to become an advocate for is doing the inner work before you get the implants and recognizing the true core root cause of getting the implants. And when I started sharing my story about breast implant illness, it was so interesting because I got so many women coming to me and saying, I could never get my implants out. My partner would leave me or my husband got these for a Christmas gift or I'll never get, you know, I'll never find my soulmate if I if I don't get my implants in, or I've wanted implants my whole life, my, my best friend has them. And there were all these external reasons. And so I became very aware that <laughs> the decision to get them again, most often isn't from an internal place of self-love. It's not from a place of, of really connecting within and saying, is this my truth? It's very much for what we think the implant will give us, which again, is the partner, which we then think, again, is going to give us the happiness and the joy and the fulfillment and the life that we deeply desire. And so through this reverse engineering process, I've walked so many women through, well, let's start with the self-worth, self-love, self-esteem component. And where are you lacking these feelings? How do we help you move through these feelings so that you can cultivate it now? And what's so powerful is so many women have canceled 
their surgeries because I, and I, and I always share again, I'm not going to try to convince you one way or the other, but I'm just going to inspire you to do six to eight months of work on yourself to meditate every day, to connect within. And then after that, if you want to get them in, that's great. And it's been this really beautiful journey of just seeing how many women, yeah, have canceled their, have canceled their surgeries or have gotten explant surgery because they no longer need their implants to make them feel a certain way because they've cultivated, cultivated within themselves. And just a background on my story, I was sick for two years, mysterious illnesses um, to the point where I couldn't get out of bed. I had to really scale down my business. And from a very privileged place, I know I was able to go in and, and pay for an explant surgery, um, get them out. A lot of women are in this position where they're trying to even figure out the doctor and how to pay for it, which breaks my heart. I think we need to have more regulations around this and insurance needs to cover this. But in short, I, I got them out and within, within just a few weeks, I was feeling better. And now it's been two years and I'm feeling like a completely new person and just really want to be a spokesperson for the truth, which is these implants can, can definitely cause sickness and every woman should be aware of that when getting them in. And then after that, it should be their choice. Yeah, I think you make a really interesting you know, point in that the whole notion of getting the implants and having something externally to, again, fill yourself internally is just, it's a pattern, right? It can become a pattern and it can become like an addiction because it's like, well, what's next? All right, like I can get myself down to a certain body fat level. I can get myself down to a certain weight where I think I'm quote unquote skinny enough that people will like me. And then it's like, well... Are my breasts like as big as like everybody else's or now I'm like skinny. So like, I kind of like, am I too skinny? And you start asking yourself more questions like, well, so now if I get breasts, then maybe I won't look as skinny and people won't notice it. And I can continue to go down this downward spiral internally and mentally of having all these, having all this shame, having all these insecurities about myself, but I'll continue to adapt my body to hide that. And I think there's a huge problem right now in society with, with that, you know, people are never content with who they are because they've never done the work on, on, on yeah. themselves side. And I think I know one of the biggest turning points for me was when I started really looking within and saying, okay, like fitness isn't my life. It's part of my life, right? Relationships aren't my life. It's part mm -hmm. of my, life. my career is not my life. It's part of my life. And I have to really be content and okay with who I am, because if not, none of that other stuff is going to matter or manifest in the way it's intended to. So mm -hmm. what do you kind of, I know I, we, we were talking a bit before we recorded on, you're recording some meditations and stuff now. So what is those meditate, are those meditations like geared towards helping women mm -hmm. heal? What's a, what are those geared towards? Yeah. And just real quick on your last topic, cause it's so good. Addiction always gets transferred, right? And so although this might sound triggering, my anorexia turned into bulimia, which turned into orthoanorexia, which turned into laxative abuse. Like our addictions get transferred until we heal. And we can see this with anything. That's why we go from relationship to relationship to relationship until we heal. That's why we are constantly in what I call blame consciousness, where we blame and blame and blame and blame everything external outside of ourselves until we heal, or we keep attracting, quote unquote, the job that sucks until we heal. And so 
it's just important to recognize once again that your mind is going to go with you everywhere you go. And my deepest, deepest sadness is when someone is at the end of their life doing this work then. And so if you can do this work now and recognize that if you heal your mind and you just take that time to connect to your heart and your greatest intuition, you will absolutely set yourself up for every area of your life to improve. This isn't just about food. This isn't just about movement. That's very little in the relationship I have to this work. It's, it's like everything is interconnected. And so I love that point that you, that you pointed out. Specifically around the work that I do with my clients, it's very much based and rooted in different practices. Meditation is, and mindfulness meditation is definitely one of them, but the work goes beyond meditation. It, it's about forgiveness, most importantly, and so forgiving yourself for the relationship you have with your body, for the trauma or the pain that you've imposed upon it, which again is very hard, triggering, messy topic. Um, it's about forgiving your past of whatever has happened to you because I find that based on that forgiveness and letting go, we open ourselves up to new opportunity and experiences. And that can be through forgiveness letters. That can be through having a conversation with someone from your past. That can be through morning pages, which is writing free flow every morning for 30 minutes. It could be other practices are blessing your food and becoming really present while you eat so that you can connect to the nourishment, which is going to fuel this vessel that gives you life. Um, we do exercises around connecting to your why and your purpose, because when you have a reason to be alive, when you have this greater purpose that you want to, to have on this planet and impact you want to create you will be more inspired to keep yourself alive because you want to fulfill that, right? And so it's really about looking at what do I want for my life? How do I want to feel? And what do I want to create that will inspire me every day to get up and eat clean and move and take care of myself and do the self-care practices that I know are very much needed, like mindfulness practices and meditation. And so to sit here and tell you that I love every day we're going to the gym or I love, you know, everyday cooking clean is not actually true. It's like sometimes the thing that we desire, like I might desire doing other things is not what we actually need to take care of our bodies and be able to live out our greatest purpose. And I think people sometimes get that miscued. It's like people think that we should just feel good all the time. And, and that's not actually the case. Self, self-love and self-care doesn't always feel amazing and inspiring and joyful, but we do it because um, it keeps our body healthy and that keeps us in alignment with our purpose and our vision of what we want for the future. Yeah. I mean, Sarah, I think it's interesting because you, you said the whole, you have to have something greater than yourself to be living for, right? But in order to get that, I think that it requires us to do the work, to sit a lot in silence, to be with ourselves. And, and then you can get connected to who you truly are, which will then help you help you radiate like externally, like what you're trying to do on a larger scale. And, you know, I think the one, the one thing you brought up is it's like, you know, now it's like, there has to be something greater than the surface level stuff for any goal, for anything that matter it has to be an emotional connection. And now it could be even like, I mean, if you look at everything with the coronavirus, like the way people are eating, it's not just for health, it's to improve our immunity. 
Mm -hmm. to reduce stress of what we're doing. It's to make sure that we are doing our best to fight disease. And even like with staying away from drugs and alcohol, whatever people who are battling addiction, it's, it's not just about that. It's about, okay, like maybe it's about saving a marriage. Maybe it's about like making sure that you can be alive to walk your kids, your daughter mm -hmm. down the aisle. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's because, you know, you made a, a promise to your little sister that you would never have to watch her cry when you went back to, to rehab again. Like those things can help you connect on such a deeper level internally so that you're able externally to accomplish things you never thought you could accomplish. And I would also add like so many people suggest all these things about doing the work and in this book and that book and this meditation, that meditation. And I think one of the best things you can do is sit by yourself. And be comfortable mm -hmm. just sitting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, one of the sorry, I was gonna say one uh, of the exercises I give my clients is a day in silence with no one else, and that's one of the harder exercises. It's like be in silence, be in nature, alone. And I'm like, when is the last time you've been in silence? And most of them can't even remember. When is the last time you've had a moment to yourself? I, I don't know. And I mean, it by yourself in the sense of being disconnected from your phone, being disconnected from the internet, being disconnected from Netflix. Again, it's, it's, it's like we've become so consumed by <laughs> the technology and the way that we live. And it's, it's really incredible when you start to look at the research. I was just reading a study by Harvard that said, you know, the things that make the most impact on our health are the things that we, we already know to be true. Leafy greens, sleep, de-stressing, mindfulness practices, and hydration. It's like, it's not as complicated as we're making and we're making health so complicated because again, we're going into the part of the intellect of the mind where we're like, we need the newest, greatest, mm. trendiest program that's going to solve my problems in seven days or less. And we buy into that. And then we think that's the solution. And when it's not, we get disappointed and angry at the protocol instead of just looking back to ourselves and saying, I already know. I already know what's going to make me healthy. So yeah, I, I'm in full agreement. Sorry to cut you off. But no, I just, no, like, I, I just right. like had I that thought. There's so many people that just don't, they don't disconnect from social media. They're like, well, what are you stressed out about? They're like social media. And they're like, well, what's the last time you disconnected from social media? Well, I don't know. Like, then why, like if it's stressing you out and if it's like overwhelming, you didn't disconnect, right? One of the healthiest things that I do is every once in a while, every few months, I will completely take like four or five days off of Instagram. I won't make any announcements. I'll just do it, right? Number one, I'm not important enough for people to really worry where I'm going if I'm off social media. Number two, you just gotta kind of just you just gotta do it. Like you gotta do it for you. You gotta just make a, a stance that I'm gonna disengage from something that if I'm not careful can lead to crazy addiction, it can self-sabotage, comparison. I mean I, I just I had a neuroscientist on I interviewed him last week and we were talking about like this whole digital concussion that people are getting now with being on their phone so much and people's attention spans, people are developing these attention dis attention issues because like they're so used to like getting um their eye movement is so used to getting like a response within a matter of seconds or they can't sit still without like, you know, jolting their head or moving around. And and so I think the whole idea of being able to disconnect and just being with yourself is how you're gonna have a better relationship with yourself. It's gonna it's how you're gonna have a better you know, intimate relationship. It's, it's how you're going to be able to be more connected to your purpose is sitting within yourself. The answers people are looking for are not on Instagram. The mm -hmm. answers people are looking for aren't on Facebook. They're not 
in a book. They're, they're inside. And I think the more people can listen to this and know that, I think that will be the true key to success for, for people who are looking to kind of reconnect to who they are so that they don't have to keep ingesting things on the outside that are filling this void on the inside. So mm. I really like appreciated everything you shared because it's relatable to anybody. It doesn't matter if you had an eating disorder, it doesn't matter if you struggle with addiction, it doesn't matter if you're you know, going through relationship issues. What matters is it all connects to you. And if you're not connected to yourself, if you're not doing the inner work, nothing else will come into alignment because you're not in alignment with yourself. So Sarah, where can people find out more about like what you're doing, what you got going on? I know you're pretty active on Instagram. I know you, obviously your website. But... Yeah, I am on Instagram at Sarah and Stuart, Sarah with an H and A-N and E and then Stuart, S-T-E-W-A-R-T. You can find me there. DM me. My website is sarahandstuart.com. I have a lot of free giveaways coming out soon, a free quiz and some free challenges and a mini course. So if you want access to any of those things, just DM me and I'm happy to share. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real honor to be here and such a beautiful conversation that I trust will serve so many people. Yes, Sarah. I mean, I I love it. I love what you're doing. I love what you're about. Glad we could finally connect. And um, I just invite the audience, you know, like to listen to listen to Sarah's advice on like, I mean, a lot of real talk here on some some battles that many, 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 many people have faced, are facing, and will face amongst, you know, body image issues, self-esteem, you know, childhood, you know, relationship stuff. And, you know, I have we have people on here and have these conversations to help help you get through tough times and help also prevent you from you know, responding to a tough time in a bad way. It's not, we're not going not gonna to say that they won't, the tough times won't come because they always will. I invite people to check out Sarah, check out her story more at her website, at her, on her social media, check out her giveaways. I will plug all that stuff in the show notes. You know, once again, if you like, if you really enjoyed this episode, we would love to hear from you, whether it's reaching out to me, reaching out to Sarah, or of course you can leave us a five-star review, review on iTunes. We always appreciate. And um, once again, you're listening to this episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bopes, and we will see you next time.